Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Amen. All right, you guys can be seated. Thank you, Autumn, for sharing that. Thank you, wife, for the microphone in the water. No problem. What, what? Before we even move on, uh, I got two things I want to share. First is, man, if you don't know Jesus, like, it's time. Let's go. Like, before we even proceed and, and, and what we have to talk about today, everything I have to say today is worthless if you don't know Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus yet, um, I'm inviting you right now to just say, Jesus, enter me. Take it all. And just give yourself to him. And I promise you that will change the rest of your life. But it'll certainly change how everything I have to say will, will hit you. And so let's just pray real quick. If there's anybody in this room, I just want you to take that moment. Uh, this is between you and the Lord. And, and just take that moment and say, hey, like I'm ready. And if you are a Christian in the room, but maybe your posture isn't ready, um, let's get it there. All right? So let's close our eyes. Lord, thank you so much for your sacrifice. I thank you that all things in this world are worthless. Even good deeds are worthless in comparison to knowing you. And so today... Today, God, every, every person in this room, I hope, is saying, Jesus, I just want to know you more. If you don't know him, I just ask right now, just pray to him, Jesus, I want to know you. Enter my life. Change me. And thank you for your sacrifice. Amen. Amen. Second thing, before we get rolling, um, I'm, I'm not going to tell you all the details because, uh, well, then that would ruin my entire message. But what I will tell you is um, if you want to have like a good message every Sunday, if you want to come to church and be changed and like have the Lord move in your life, um, you're here at the wrong time. So 1045 is not the time to come and have your life completely transformed. Uh, The time to have your life completely transformed is 9 a.m. during our prayer service. Uh, I just... Just going to tell you straight up, like what we experienced this morning, the like 15 of us that were in here is significantly better than anything I'm about to say to you. Uh, So I'm sorry uh, if you weren't here and you already missed it and now you have to get a lesser message this morning. Um, But I'm just being honest, like what the the Holy Spirit is doing in us in that time uh, is my favorite part. I I participate in the prayer. I participate here uh, at 1045. I'm often on the worship team, right? My favorite part in all of it is that 9 a.m. prayer service. And I really mean that. I used to be the guy who fell asleep during prayer all the time, like straight up. I mean, I've literally had um, speakers at conferences come down and stand over me asleep in the middle of their preaching and be like, wake up, right? Like that was me. I'm the guy falling asleep. Uh, Man, I don't fall asleep during this time. And I hate mornings, y'all. I don't fall asleep during this time. The Lord is moving. And so if you actually want something good on Sunday mornings. I hope we give it to you here at this 1045, but I guarantee you it's at 9 a.m. So 
Um, I'll tell you what I tell people whenever they're looking to get a mentor in your life. Uh, the same thing applies for the 9 a.m. service, okay? Move mountains to be here. Like whatever it is, however many alarms you got to set, uh, if you got to find a babysitter and pay them, I, I don't know what you got to do, uh, but be here at 9 a.m., cool? See, I'm just saying, like, I'm done. Mic drop. I'm just going to walk out. Um, so today, actually... Um, I just dropped my daughter off over at the kids' church, and on my way over, uh, Miss Bridget, who's just fantastic, we all love her, she held the door and wouldn't let me in. So I told her, I said, that's fine, but you got to come preach. So Bridget, you can go ahead and come on up. It's your chance. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, Bridget, we love you. Thank you for your prayers that you, that you give to this church. I uh, just wanted to highlight you because you're fantastic. Uh, man, you all, I just want to say... What I have to say today, I hope one is from the Holy Spirit, but um, this is hopefully the shortened version of what has changed my life over the last year and a half. And so I want you to kind of come on this journey with me real quick, uh, and, and I want you to all close your eyes for a moment, completely close, chill, get relaxed. Justin's looking right at me, so he's straight not listening to me. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was really entertaining to me. Close your eyes, and just for a moment, just chill. Clear your mind completely. And I want you to go back. I want you to go back to, I know this is weird, but go back all the way to your mother's womb. You're in there, you're floating around, right? You're, you're in the water, and then... Suddenly, here comes your birth. As you burst forth into life for the very first time, hopefully crying. If not, the doctor's going to spank you to make you cry. You are coming into life for the very first time. It's this beautiful moment, right? People enjoy this moment. They, some people say this is the most beautiful thing they've ever experienced. Imagine that, but instead of it being when your mother is giving birth to you, instead, this is the moment you accept Jesus. You say, Jesus, I accept your forgiving grace. Give me a new life. And you are then born again, and you burst forth in the Spirit. Now the Spirit is a, is, a, is a living, breathing thing. Who you are right there in that moment is exactly what happens in that moment in which you accept Jesus. You are born again. John 3, 5 through 6 says this, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. You must be born again. So that is us as we accept Jesus. We are being born again. As John is saying here, Jesus said in the book of John, we're being born of spirit. So imagine that child inside of you. Imagine that hopefully you've grown, right? Hopefully you fed that baby, right? That spirit child. You fed it. You gave it the word. You've given it worship. You've come to, uh, you know, you've come to church. You've, you've been part of different groups. You've, you've learned how to grow in Christ daily as you meditate on his word. Hopefully that's happened, right? But maybe it hasn't. So what I want you to do is try to imagine that child at about whatever age you think that child should be right now. 
right? So maybe you've been doing this for a long time. Maybe you've been a Christian for like 20 years. And so you're like, okay, that spiritual kid's probably at least 15. Maybe I had five bad years in there, right? But that spiritual kid is growing. I fed him some. Imagine whatever age you think that that child is at, okay? And then let's be honest and take it a few years back. Because there's two things about us as humans that are, that are, it's such a weird dichotomy, but we are our own worst critics, right? And we're also the first to boast about ourselves. So while we also can attack ourselves and be like, aha, I messed up and, and, and beat ourselves up, we also are the first to think that we're way farther along in something that we are. We're also the first people to think that we have achieved a level that we maybe haven't, or we think we deserve that job promotion, but really we haven't been doing the work, right? So let's take that child and move him back like five years. And if you just accepted Jesus a moment ago, boom, he was just born, cool. All right, everybody there? You imagine that child? Are we good, or did I lose you super early? Hopefully we're good, because I want you to stay in that mindset for the rest of this message, because I don't want to talk to the person sitting in this room physically that I can see, my hope is that today we're talking spirit to spirit. My hope is that the Holy Spirit is speaking through me and that the Holy Spirit in you is chewing it up. Cool? Yeah. That should be every time we're together. Every time we're together, the Spirit should be speaking to spirit. John 14, 26 says, but when the Father sends the advocate, Jesus says this, when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. So what scripture is saying here, what Jesus himself is saying, is when, when the Father sends the Holy Spirit into you, which we know happens at the moment in which you accept Christ, when the Father sends the Holy Spirit into you, he can teach you all things. So yes, Spending time in scripture will teach you a ton. Yes, going to seminary will teach you a ton. But yes, the Holy Spirit living inside of you knows all things and can teach you all things. So that's why I want to talk to that Holy Spirit child inside of you who I think can open up and, and, and completely change the way that we're looking at hopefully our entire Christianity. I shared this a couple weeks ago at Monday Men, and uh, I just felt like the Lord was just like, remember when you did that for the first time and you thought of, hey, there is a spirit inside of you that is a child that was born, and you didn't give him formula, and you didn't give him you know, his, his animal crackers and then his applesauce, and you didn't move him to you know, those McDonald's cheeseburgers as the kids always want, the Happy Meal, right? You, you didn't do that, and that's how I felt a year and a half ago. And I had the Lord give me that image, and I said, okay, Lord, what do you, what do you want me to do? And he's like, feed it. Feed your spirit. And so that's the journey I've been on for the last year and a half, and I'm hoping you've already been on that, but if not, let's start today, and let's be on this journey of feeding our spirit and letting our spirit be what is leading us and guiding us. Yeah. I always think of my life as a train. And uh, there's this train as I'm leaving work. Uh, I, I told my wife, oh, I got stuck behind the train again. She's like, what are you talking about? I swear she thought I was like making this imaginary train up. Uh, but I get stuck behind this train. And the thing about this train that's really annoying is I can wait for a train to pass, right? And sometimes we're like, man, I'm lo you're looking way down. You're like, is that train ever going to end, right? You just look in, you're waiting for it to pass. I can do that. That's fine. But the train specifically that I get stuck behind 
is this train where it's like pulling into, not like a station, but it's like it's a work train, it's dropping off some stuff, right? So it pulls forward over the, tra over the street where I'm stopped at, pulls right through the road, and stops. And now I'm just looking at the stopped train. And then it backs up, and it drops off a couple of cars. But it's still in front of me, because it's just the back part that's getting removed, right? And then it pulls forward again, and it stops. And the guy comes over and he switches the track, and then it pulls back. And it does this like seven or eight times. And you just have to watch this train be like, is it gonna go? No. Is it gonna? No. Over and like seven times. I'm telling you, it is so much worse than just a train passing you. Anyway, that's totally irrelevant. What matters is I look at my life as a train. In the middle is my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions. And then there are two engines on this train. And it is up to me to decide which one of them will be the caboose. There's the engine of my flesh, which naturally, before this birth that we just talked about, before that birth is the only one driving the train. It is the only trajectory you're going is away from Christ. Your flesh is driving the train. But when... You accept the Lord. It's like that train conductor wakes up on the other side and says, uh-uh, I got a lot of gas. Let's go. And he tries to pull the other way. I should say steam. You train people are like, he said gas. <laughs> uh, so got a lot of steam. Let's go the other way. And it is my job to say, hey, spirit train conductor, you drive. <laughs> Flesh train conductor, take a nap. Yep. You're done. Or, I mean, even better, you murder him, right? <laughs> like, just kill him. Just be done. Don't let the flesh drive at all. You let the spirit drive. But unfortunately, there's a constant battle, right? And that's how I look at my life. My mind, my will, and my emotions are going to submit to either my flesh or to my spirit. It's going to pull me one way or the other. I know only one way is worth anything, according to the scripture Autumn just read, right? Only one way is worth anything, and I want that train conductor to run the train. And so I pray that, that this morning as, we are, as we're opening ourselves up to hear what the Lord has to say, that we are letting that train conductor run the train. Let that train, the spiritual train conductor move us in the right direction. Cool? Cool. So as I began to, to prepare for this message, I, I was asked to speak uh, on self-control. And just so you know, it hasn't been said from the stage before, so I'll say it. We all took different weeks to preach, and then we all chose which fruit of the Spirit we're going to preach on. So I have the last one being self-control. However, we're not doing this in order whatsoever. So the service, or so our series is not over after this week, uh, but we're going to talk about self-control today. And as I was thinking about self-control, I immediately began fascinated with this idea of uh, being grafted into Christ. I was thinking about grafting, and uh, it, was, it was funny because I didn't know why, and then I went to go look into where grafting was spiritually, and it was like, oh, this is a huge chunk of Romans that I just read a few weeks ago, and that's why this is on my heart. And so I was just praying, like, Lord, what, what is it about grafting that's important? So if you don't know what grafting is, grafting is where, essentially, you take uh, a tree, and you cut a chunk of that tree, and you take another branch from another tree, 
It could be that you're trying to save and preserve something, or maybe you're trying to mix trees together. And you put it in there, you cut that in, and you put it essentially, you know, the guts of a tree to the guts, and then you tie it together, and you let it essentially attach to that tree and grow and become part of the mother tree, right? The big tree. And so I was, became fascinated with this, and I, and I started looking up. I wanted to find like a quick time lapse of grafting, and everyone just kept saying, and then be patient. So unfortunately, I can't find a great time lapse for you. But um, I did find this tree that I thought was extremely fascinating. So this tree right here, uh, there is 40 different fruit. Not that picture, sorry. That one. This guy in New York has put 40 different types of fruit-bearing trees, and he's grafted them all into one tree. And so this tree is literally 40 different types of tree growing from one tree. And look at, I mean, just look at that bloom. And so then what happens is all of that dies, and then it starts to produce fruit, and it produces its fruit in the time in which it's supposed to. So the lemons obviously don't grow at the same time as the cherries, uh, but it will start to grow these different fruit. And so you'll see parts of this tree die off as other parts start to grow uh, and start producing fruit. It's super cool. When the guy originally put it together, he just started throwing stuff on there. And he literally had like a half dead tree and then like a half alive tree. And so now, if you can go back to that image that did not translate well, this guy actually sits in his garden. He writes down, okay, the original tree is this. And then as he grafts new branches in, he writes down what they are. And he actually maps out so he knows exactly what trees bloom when and makes this amazing piece of artwork where he grafts all these different fruit into this one giant tree and they're all over New York. It's, I, I've been to New York twice and I never knew about this. And now I'm like, I got to go to New York again. I got to see this tree and see where it's at at this different time. But grafting is such a cool process. And some people do this to restore, to save a tree. Um, sometimes you have a tree that's dying, but you cared so much about that. So you take like the one healthy branch and you put it in another tree and you don't lose that tree. Well, Romans actually talks about us being grafted into the Lord. And so as I was looking into this, um, I thought it was super crazy how the physical grafting that we see in this situation is you have one tree ends up having all these different fruit on it because it's different types of fruit bearing trees, right? But in the spiritual sense, when we are grafted into the family of Jesus, when we are grafted into who he is, we instead start to bear his fruit. And so that's the biggest difference between physical grafting and spiritual grafting is when we are spiritually grafted into Christ, when, we, when he is cut open and then we are cut open and, and, and moved into him, we can grow and bear his fruit. So I think there's two types of grafting that I found in scripture. So the first one is grafting us into salvation and oneness with God and eternal salvation. So when, when, in Romans here, what I'm about to read in just a moment, we get grafted into who Jesus is. He's saying, you are now part of me, and therefore you have eternity. So you once were dead, you were once were so far aside from me, but now because of the cutting that has happened in my flesh, I bring you in and you are now part of this tree. So that's one type of grafting. The second type of grafting, I believe, happens, or from that grafting, is that now we get to bear fruit by being installed into Jesus and allowing him to grow through us. 
So, if you'll turn with me to Romans 11. Got that NLT life. Y'all are quiet today. Am I boring or? Thank you. I'm so sweaty, y'all. I, um, I typically do okay with people looking at me. That's not a problem. Um, but, sorry, I feel like the Lord keeps bringing this up, so I'm just going to go there. Uh, so you guys may know uh, Griffin and Autumn, they have their second child, uh, Isla. Isla did not like me at first. Um, she, I mean, to be fair, I don't think she liked a lot of people at first, um, but... I, maybe I just say that so I feel better about myself. But Isla did not like me at first. She was like, nope, I want mom, I want dad, I want my grandma, that's it. Like, I don't want anybody else. She didn't even, like, want her brother, I don't think. And then, then for the first time, I threw Isla up in the air. And now Isla just runs at me. Just, up, 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 right? Every time she sees me, I mean, she just drops what she's doing and darts at me. And it goes, again, again, and just wants me to throw her up in the air over and over again. So one reason I'm super sweaty right now is because I was doing that before service. Not a smart thing before you come up to preach. Um, but man, that reckless abandon, and like, and it's weird because it's your guys' kid, but that reckless abandon, like Isla sees me and she's like, that's the guy that throws me up. Like she barely remembers my name, but she knows like I'm the one that chucks her in the air and that she has all that fun and she totally trusts me, right? Like, you know how many times I've been right under that fan? Like, she doesn't hit her head, right? Or way in the back. She totally trusts me and she just runs right to me. I have, I have made her cry one time as I was flipping around and she was like, uh-uh, that's not happening. Um, but Isla totally trusts me. She abandons everything and she just darts right at me and says, throw me up again, again. And then I'll put her down and she might go do something else. But if she sees me again, she comes running at me and is like, ah, ah, again, again. And like, man, I want that to be my spiritual life with Jesus. Like, that I, can, I just go, Jesus, I see that you're there and I'm running at you. And like, throw me up. Like, do whatever you want, Jesus. Like, have your way with me. I will have fun. I will smile. I will have joy in this. Uh, and so, I don't know. I feel like the Holy Spirit kept bringing that up. So if that was for you, um, I hope that that moves you in some way. Man, just go after him with reckless abandon. Like, trust him. Let him throw you up in the air. And, and, if, and just know, like, if it doesn't go the way you think, he'll make it right. Like, he will continue to draw you closer to himself. That's good. Okay, anyway, back to our previously scheduled <laughs> message here. So Romans 11, verse 13. I'm, <clears throat> so Paul's speaking here, and Paul says, I am saying all this, especially for you Gentiles. God has appointed me as the apostle to the Gentiles. I was laughing last night. I was rereading over my notes, and I just read, God has appointed me as the apostle. And I thought I wrote that for a second, and I was like, dang, Tony, you're getting bold. <laughs> God has appointed me as the apostle. Uh, and then I was like, oh, no, 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 that was, that was, that was scripture. We're good. We're good. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so Paul is saying, God has appointed me as the apostle to the Gentiles. I stress this. For I want somehow to make the people of Israel jealous for what you Gentiles have. I might say, uh, <clears throat> so that I might save some of them. For since their rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, their acceptance would be even more wonderful. I mentioned this last week uh, in, in my, my prayer time as I was hosting, like the number one issue I think I see 
non-Christians having with wanting to come with you to church or wanting to even hear you speak about Jesus is that your life doesn't look different than theirs. If your life doesn't look different, you're not offering them anything different. And so they should just continue doing what they're doing. I can't blame them, right? I can't blame the people in my life who have thought that about me, right? I can't blame my siblings who I grew up with who watched me be an idiot for so many years and cuss at them and steal from them or whatever go, oh, and and now you got Jesus? Like, I'm just supposed to trust that? I I understand why they would be maybe opposed to that, right? And so, so what Paul is saying here is, Because they were removed and you were allowed to come in because they rejected God, you're allowed to come in. And I'm hoping that because you came in, they will see that and want that so much they'll come back. So so Paul is saying, I want to see Jews come to Christ because you Gentiles, the people who did not have this promise originally, now have it and they're jealous in a righteous way and they want it. So Paul is saying, live in such a way that, that, that makes them jealous. Uh, <clears throat> and since Abraham and the other patriarchs were holy, their descendants will also be holy. Just as the entire batch of dough is holy, the portion given as an offering is holy. For if the roots of the tree are holy, the branches will be too. We know that we get grafted into Christ And as we are grafted into him, he is holy. Because he is holy and we are now inserted into his body. We're grafted in. Now we can grow and be holy as we grow in him. So, for if the roots of the tree are holy, the branches will be too. This is the verse currently written on my mirror. Because I want to remember that that I may not be holy in myself, but because my father is holy, therefore I have been made holy. So this is not about trying to reach holiness. This is about we are holy because he is holy. Done. This This isn't the process. This is already done. Because he is holy, the branches will be too. But some of these branches from Abraham's tree, so this is talking about originally the Jewish people, from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel have been broken off. And you Gentiles, who were branches from wild olive tree, have been grafted in. There's that word. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children. From the beginning, God was promising Abraham that, that the entire world would be changed because of his descendants and they would be brought back to him. And we now get to participate in that because we have been grafted in. But you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You were just a branch, not the root. In other words, you don't have opinions. The root does. The root defines the tree, not the branch. You can be quiet and let the Lord speak. How many of y'all have heard a Christian have an opinion that made you angry? I had an opinion of my own that made me angry this morning. Like, I don't even need another Christian. (laughs) How many of you have had arguments about opinions with other Christians? How many of y'all have deleted Facebook for this very reason, <laughs> right? Um, I, remember, I remember getting in a fight on Facebook. I won't go into the details because it's just not worth it. 
But I remember getting into a fight with my sister, who she proclaims to love Jesus. Um, she's got the little Jesus tattoo on her wrist, right? Like my, my, my sister um, has attended church many years, love my sister. We have a very different opinion, especially politically. And so we get into this long, drawn-out fight, and I remember uh, my wife coming to me, and I'm like ready for my wife to be like, Tony, you're so right. How many husbands are still waiting on that? <laughs> I'm waiting on this. And, uh, and Rachel comes in and she goes, she goes, Tony, it doesn't matter. I want my kids to know their aunt. So let it go. Now, if you ask me, I was right. But I think my wife was way more right. <laughs> Do all things to live at peace amongst the people. Is what scripture says. And, and I think that we need to remember that he is the root, that his word stands on its own. I hope you see whenever I get the opportunity to preach, I try to just read scripture and read a ton of it because like, I think it speaks way better than me. I think it speaks way better than our Facebook posts. And I think it speaks way better than, I'm sorry, I know Facebook is like 30 years ago now, but it speaks so much better than our own words and our own opinions. Let Jesus speak on his own. We're called to be an ambassador of Christ, right? What does an ambassador do? An ambassador goes and represents their nation, but has no opinions. They can only speak the opinion of the person speaking for them. So if I was the ambassador to Russia, and I go into Russia, I shouldn't have used Russia as an example, now I'm scared. So I go into Russia, and they're like, okay, what does the U.S. have to say about this? I have to get on the phone and say, okay, President Biden, you tell me what to say here. I don't get to go, let me tell you what I think, yeah. right? I just do what he tells me, and that's it. Yeah. My opinion is dead. As Christians, as ambassadors of Christ, our opinions are dead. Let them die. Live in Christ because... And I think this is an amazing promise. The promise is this, that he is holy, and therefore we are holy. It's a pretty awesome promise, because I've tried to be holy before, and I never got there. I don't know about you, but he promises that I'm holy, because he is holy. <clears throat> Verse 19, well, you may say, those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. And you are there because you do believe. So don't think highly of yourself, but fear what could happen. For if God did not spare the original branches, he won't spare you either. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He is severe to those who disobey, but kind to you if you continue to trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you will also be cut off. And if the people of Israel turn from their unbelief, they will be grafted in again. For God has the power to graft them back into the tree. You, by nature, were a branch cut off of a wild olive tree. So if God was willing to do something contrary to nature by grafting you in to his cultivated tree, he would be far more eager to graft the original branch back into the tree where they belong. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, you were grafted into him. 
You were grafted into him. He was, he was cut open. I think that's such a beautiful thing, how grafting takes cutting. Because of his being cut open, you were brought into him, and now you are holy. So let's think again about that spiritual child. Hopefully you've been thinking about it the whole time. I doubt it, but I hope you did. Go back to that spiritual child for a moment. Because he was graft or she was grafted into Christ, that child inside of you, your spirit is holy. So that spirit inside of you is loving. It is joyful. It is peaceful. It is patient. You are kind. You are good. You are gentle. And you are faithful. You have self-control. But which conductor is driving the train? If the spirit is driving the train, you will see that in how the, the very thing inside of you, the holiness inside of you, the fruit of the spirit, that, that love will shine from you, that peace will shine from you, that patience will shine because the right conductor is driving the train. It is a natural byproduct of letting the Holy Spirit be the one conducting you. So in regards to self-control, I promise you I was going to get here at some point, right? In regards to self-control, I think self-control shows up in, in a couple of different ways. I think the first and the biggest one we talk about a lot is sin, right? Even, even Paul talks about this in Scripture where he says, I continue to do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I ought to do, right? That we need the Lord's help to have self-control in our sin. And I think that's the umbrella but the subdivision of that is very specific sin, right? Uh, when we have addictions, when we have, um, you know, shopping issues that we just want to throw money at all the time, like we need the Lord to help us reel that in, right? We, we need him to, to help give self-control, allow us to stop sinning. But also we need self-control when we want to make that comment after somebody just said something. We need self-control to not respond in kind, right? We want to respond in Christ. So when somebody comes at you and says something like, wow, you're just the worst employee that has ever worked for me. And I want to say, well, you should have never been hired as anyone's boss, right? I need self-control in that moment to take the hit and move on with Jesus, right? I also need self-control when the Lord is speaking to me and I think, okay, cool, now I need to go grab the microphone and tell everybody. Sometimes the Lord's speaking to me and I need to be quiet. And I need to sit and listen to that. I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember feeling like I was probably 14, and I think this happens to every 14 or 15-year-old who accepts Jesus. Uh, but I remember being like, oh, the Lord just told me that that's the girl I'm going to marry. Mm-hmm. And I never told her, but I told all of her friends who definitely told her. But I was like, I'm going to marry her. It's going to happen. Let me tell you what. Her name was not Rachel. <laughs> and I'm super happy this is my wife. But what if I actually kept my mouth shut and listened to the Lord? I know Tyrone and Amy's um, story is that. Amy knew the Lord said, you're going to marry the next person that your pastor hires. 
and Tyrone walks in. And she goes, cool, apparently that's the guy I'm going to marry. And then she was silent. She didn't tell nobody. She just prayed with the Lord. Okay, Lord, if that's it, then cool. And continued to pray with him, with just Jesus alone in her quiet time. And then ultimately, look what happened. They got married. Say, Amy did it right. And the Lord gave me a way better prize anyway. I'm just saying. <clears throat> so don't listen and get better. I'm just, that's not my sermon today. Um, but I'm just saying, like, sometimes the Lord tells you something, and you do need the self-control to not. What if Abraham expected the promise God gave him to come the next day? Where would we be? If he expected the promise to be the next day, it would have made no sense because he would have had to have trillions of children in a moment, right? Doesn't make any sense. But the Lord had a plan, had a promise that we needed to wait on. So sometimes you need the Lord's self-control in that. But the interesting thing about self-control is that it is a fruit, it is part of the fruit of the Spirit. I looked up, uh, I wanted to see maybe some genius would have on the internet, like try to draw what they think the fruit of self-control would look like. So I Googled the fruit of self-control and I clicked Google Images. And on Google Images, all I saw was like attributing fruits to different things. I don't know if any of you have ever been in a kid's church, but I remember when I was a kid in kid's church, I got this tree and it said, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, right? All over this tree. And it was awesome. And I got these stickers and all these stickers were these different fruit, right? There was like a pear. You put the pear on love and you scratch it and... Ah, it smells like pears, right? And you got the grapes. The grapes were always self-control for some reason. And you put the, put the grapes there. That's also what I found on the internet. And you scratch it. And, ah, grapes. That's self-control. But Scripture does not call it the fruits of the Spirit. Scripture calls it the fruit of the Spirit. There is one tree, and that one tree bears one fruit, and that one fruit has some pretty good taste. That taste manifests itself in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self faithfulness, thank you, and self-control. I looked at my notes. I almost had it. Almost. So it just manifests on its own by doing what in Christ? Abiding. Spoiler alert, we've been telling you the same thing for weeks. Abide in Christ you will produce the fruit that manifests in this way. There is a war constantly going on in yourself, and maybe you've been a part of this war before. I've been a part of this war before. How many of you have ever been like, man, I really wish I could just stop doing X? Anybody? Boom. Me yesterday, right? Like, I really just wish I could stop. And then you're like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to cancel my subscription to that. Uh, I'm going to get this on my computer. I'm going to have these 12 people I have to check in with every day. And then uh, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to move to the woods because apparently that's the only place I might not sin, right? How many of you had those thoughts or even done some of those things, right? I remembered doing this especially a ton as a kid. Um, But it all boils down to you doing one thing. And that one thing is this. You are trying to manage your sin. Managing your sin seems good, right? Is it a bad thing 
to have a program on your computer that reports on what you're looking at so you have good accountability. No. That's a great thing, but that thing is not what's going to stop you from sinning. Yeah. What's going to stop you from sinning is Christ. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You can have <laughs> 12 accountability partners that call you, each one of them assigned to a different hour. To call, I mean, that sounds so tiring. <laughs> each one assigned to call you at a different hour just in case they catch you in the act. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I was just about to sin, but you called me and you stopped me. Thank you so much, you're my savior. Yeah. No. <laughs> but we've been there, right? How many of you are there right now? <laughs> but what I've learned and, and what I think scripture teaches us is that that's worthless. Yeah. It's worthless if the driver of your train is your flesh. It's worthless. Paul said in Philippians that, that Autumn read, and it's just so good. I'm just going to read the whole thing again. Uh, I hope you're not too upset, but it's just, and I just looked at the clock, so maybe I won't. Um, but scripture is so clear here. Paul says this. I'll just recap it. I apologize. Paul says this. I was just about as perfect as anyone could ever be. I was circumcised on the eighth day, which is something that was a must. I was a Pharisee, being that I was the person who could literally cast as much judgment on you as I wanted to because I was so perfect and I lived the law so strictly that I could tell you you weren't because I did it so well. I was as close to living all of the law at the beginning of this book. I was as close to living that as anybody has ever been, and it was worthless. It meant Nothing in comparison to what? Knowing Christ. In comparison to knowing Christ, he calls it garbage. The very act of not sinning was garbage in comparison to knowing Christ. Like, I don't know about you, but that sounds extremely contradictory to anything I've ever thought or been taught basically my entire life, right? I've been told countless times from people in my life, from microphone holders in my life, you just gotta stop. Just, and, and yes, there's some truth, right? There's absolutely truth. You do need to stop sinning because then you find favor with the Lord and the Lord can use you because there's nothing that can disqualify you. So absolutely, we wanna stop sinning. But the difference is, as you see in every song we sing this morning, the difference is he did all the work. Yeah. We're going to see a victory. Why? Because he did the work. Yeah. The reason you're going to see a victory in your sin is because he did the work. The reason you're going to see a victory in your marriage is because he did the work. The reason you're going to see a victory in your workplace where you want to maybe run your mouth back at your boss is because he did the work. Yeah. Anything that you try to do with your flesh driving that train is worthless. It's, and, and I'm telling you this from experience. <laughs> I remember sitting at Starbucks with Steve talking over something I, just, I was just really wrestling with and, and Steve was like, okay, so what are you going to do? 
And I start going, okay, well, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this. And you can just see the grin growing on his face. And he goes, Tony, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm just going to fall in love with Jesus. Because that's the win here. Like, that's the win here is that because of him, we can be free. Actually, let me me fix that. Because of him, we are free. Because of him, we are loving. Because of him, we are joyful. We are peaceful. We are patient. We are kind. We are good. We are gentle. We are faithful. And we have self-control. I tried and it didn't work. But I give you good news today. He did. He did. He paid for it. It doesn't own you anymore. It can't weigh you down. Even if it was 15 minutes ago before you walked in here, he paid for it. He did it. Abide in him and you will be it. Go ahead and stand with me. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.